Welcome to the Night Shift Football Podcast of yours, Graham Arnold. Welcome to the Night Shift Football Podcast. This is episode 59. And if you don't know by now, it's the football pod named after the fact that in Australia, you have to stay up all night to catch your European football. You can get around us on FB, Insta, Twitter, or at nightshiftfootball.com. Now, this week, this week, we're going to mostly be covering the happenings of the Socceroos and our beloved but terrible Adelaide United. At this rate, we're probably the number one Arnold-hating podcast in Australia, maybe even the world. As usual, I've got Tommy on the end of the line. Now, Tommy, what's the first thing that comes into your head when I mention Australia nil, Japan 2? What is your immediate visceral response? Listen to the lady. Up yours, Graham Arnold. Up yours. This is, this is a serious pod this week because it's all of these things we've been documenting since the first time we started this. And maybe this is the grand purpose of our pod is to <laughs> put like a, a point in time where Graham Arnold's tenure was no more. There was no need for it back then. And now look at the mess we're in now. It's, it's, I just, I hate being right. That's what it is. <laughs> you hate being right. You don't, you love being right. You thrive on it. Um, of course, I wish we weren't right because I wish Australia were better than this. Uh, I wish we were better managed than this, but we just aren't. Um, I don't even know where to start with that disaster the other night. Obviously, well, Japan, a let, better let me team, ask, but. Let me ask you one thing just before Go we on. get going. Uh, is is Robbie Slater going to start slapping pundits and fans alike for calling for Arnie's bold head? <laughs> I hope so. And then we can get another slew of memes all about it. <laughs> It'd be a great sight, Robbie Slater rushing the uh, the Johnny Warren medal stage and slapping Craig Foster. <laughs> Keep my coach's name out your fucking mouth. Look, you got to stand up for your woman. you got to do it. Um do you need to stand up for your Mitchell Duke though? Oh my god! I just if you want to recap from the the previous pod where we speculated on what Arnie would do or what his COVID infected mind would bring about, it was everything that we thought. Duke started up front. Rustic played this stupid secondary striker role. Metcalf was deep, who then came off at halftime for Jago, who was ineffectual. It was yep. all you may as well have played McLaren in goals. Martin Boyle at right back, like. We were doomed from the start. Yeah, it was a bit of a disaster. Um, I caught the second half of the game. Obviously, I had training myself, but caught the second half and we watched it on the big screen at the club and everyone was just like, couldn't believe that Jamie Jamie McLaren, who was only available for the Japan game and not available for the Saudi Arabia game, uh, wasn't even, didn't even start and then only got a few minutes at the end. He even came on after Bruno Fornaroli. Yeah, what did he get? Like seven minutes or something. Do you th- that that was that was a, a fuck you to McLaren, wasn't it? Uh, it might have been, but I don't really like the national team coach using the national team as a you know as a vessel for his own vendettas with players and stuff like that. Do you think? Do you think if we looked at it from like a team cohesion point of view, if he is punishing the best striker Australia has because he. His commitment is maybe up, you know, up for question, or the scheduling and the timing of this, given how big the games are. Do you think maybe this is not like a terrible message to send to the rest of the team that hey, if you're not going to give your hundred percent and commit entirely to this project, then I'm not going to play you. Like you're not in my reckoning. Maybe not, but I think it's a little too late for that. Um, 
whatever messages Arnold wants to send to the squad and stuff kind of needs to be done from day dot and needs to be, well, it's no good now on the verge of like desperation stakes, needing a win at home against Japan, then deciding to do it. Like it's just get us over the line. Um, we can't get us over the line. We're now going to have to go through playoffs. We're going to play, I don't know who's third in the other group, but someone who's probably maybe not better than us, but able to match us in over one 90-minute game. And then we're going to have to go um, play a South American side. I think it's the UAE who, if I'm not mistaken, knocked us out of the Asian Cup. So There you go. Uh, probably a good, good tie for them. Did you see what Jamie McLaren said? Uh, on Instagram after the game, I did not because well, Archie did. Thompson and Archie Thompson and Luke Wilshire pretty much went off, and maybe we'll get to Archie's comments in a bit. But they were not pleased with Jamie McLaren's commitment. You know the thing that I just raised, and he, he fires back, "Hey, just want to say thank you so much for the kind words, Archie T and Luke W. Uh, but you both don't know me or my story. I just that is just so seventeen-year-old Northern Suburbs yeah. girl on his phone. Anyway." <laughs> Beyond that, seeing as you love to talk about my commitment, any marriage advice for me next week? What is your story, Jamie? What is your story, mate? We've all seen that clip of you running with a like a truck tire attached to your waist so you could get faster. But what is your story, buddy? <laughs> I haven't seen this. I mean, didn't you say that? What the fuck is he doing? <laughs> Have I mistaken that for another player? I'm fairly sure it was a Jamie McLaren thing. Uh, we're he gonna, was out we'll on his out on his farm with a yeah some sort of like truck tire roped around his waist and he'd run with it to get more powerful at running gets more faster well look whatever works he's he's lethal in the a league which i don't know is that something you can actually hang your hat on maybe i think it is uh you know we we have to respect our game here but we need more in this national team obviously the squad was pretty depleted going into it. I didn't take much confidence. I put Japan in my multi. Um, well, that says it all. And then looking at the starting lineup, like, you know, I, I'm not sure either of our two center backs are, you know, national level footballers. Deganek, especially not now, maybe a couple of years ago, but since he, he dropped out and couldn't get a game for Red Star Belgrave, you can't get a game for them. Uh, you're struggling. Trent, pretty ordinary ryan grant joel king you know joel king i don't really have a bad word to say about him but you know he's not international footballer level just yet the midfield Connor metcalf johnny stensness like oh it's it's just grim yeah it really is but you like you said we were affected by outs and that you know you we lose moyen rogic and all of a sudden you're you know you look you're staring down the barrel because we haven't developed anyone and, you know, Graham Arnold's famous quote that A-League is not a development league, but you look at this squad, 20 of the 26 selected uh, A-League players or were developed in the A-League. So it's just, you know, with the transition, I mean, this is the thing that everyone's talking about now is the transition from the golden generation to, you know, that kind of weird forgotten generation when we had the mix of Pimper Beaks and Holgers and the rest of them. Yeah, Brett Holmans and the like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a whole slew of really talented players that got lost and mixed yeah. up and never really, you know, flourished in the league. And now we're not even we're not even, um, uh, you know, producing players like this anymore. Connor Metcalf's a good player, but is he Brett Holman? No, on terms of talent level, you know, we're not we're not even providing average mid tier European players anymore. These guys are struggling, like you said, to start games in Red Star and no. 
you know, it was funny you picked up on the defensive um, line straight away. And you you look at the team and like Matt Ryan obviously is quality. He, he I think he believes that he's better than he is. I saw some post-game um, uh, like uh, comments that he made with Mark Schwarzer saying that he believes he is world-class. And I'm like, you're not world-class. Um, no. <laughs> he can believe that though. But him, he has a close relationship with Arnold, obviously. Uh, Joe King and Ryan Grant, close relationship with Arnold. Trent Sainsbury is uh, Arnold's son-in-law, I believe. And so you look, when you're, you're selecting a back four, basically upon who the manager likes the best or trusts the most or believes can play his style the best. And his style really, it's such a conservative, crappy outlook on the game, you know, to have fullbacks that don't advance beyond their attackers or even the midfielders, you know, in a game where Japan, you're supposed to press them. That's the idea. You want to, you actually want to be physical and athletic and, if they're going to, you know, you got to match their run and their output and their intensity because you can't technically beat them. And we didn't do that at all. And we have the cattle to do it. This is the main thing. We have the players to do it, but Arnold is not selecting them. Yeah, I'm not, I'm still not convinced we had the cattle, but... Uh, Interesting. I mean... You don't, you don't reckon we could have beaten that Japanese team? They didn't score till late and they didn't... Re- I mean, they did well, I mean, the crossbar I, a lot, but... I don't know. Not with the players we had out, I don't think... I'm not sure. There's obviously little things he could have done here or there, but I don't think they were really game, game changing, um, you know, decisions with the lineup that that we did put out. Um, I don't know, and I don't know a whole lot about this Japanese side either. But they're not the star started, you know, uh, plenty of guys playing top tier European football like we once were as well. Um, but they just they still just have better players. They have a better league at the moment. And so the players they're picking out from there um, are good enough to kind of get by us. I mean, even you take out those two goals, a nil-all draw is still not really enough for us in the end. So, No, no, exactly. Um, I just I wanted to pick up on what Matt Ryan said after the game. And he described this, and this happens in the media a lot when Australia falter or you know stumble along the way. They say that the Australian way is the hard way. And I was I always thought that's a little bit odd because like the Australian way, how is that a hard way? Isn't it is there an easier country to live in in the world? Is there like a country that is more devoted to their athletes and their sporting prowess and the funding that sporting teams receive and the adulation they receive for even this soccer this mediocre soccerers team still captures conversation and the imagination of, of people all across the country. It's just like, why? Why is the Australian way the hard way? <laughs> I think what they're referring to is they won't like the whole that it's that it's Anzac myth bullshit again about like people won't back down in a fight and stuff. Blah 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 blah. They're gonna dig in till the end, mm. and it's like if we just dug in a bit earlier, we wouldn't have had to do this. <laughs> we could have got out of this already. <laughs> we have to go yeah. play, yeah, other teams in other countries now. And, yeah, right. I like. There was a lot I mean. of yeah, continents. There was a lot of um, I thought there was a lot of mentality bullshit in the wake of the game. A lot of like <laughs> that their heads aren't there, or you know, they're, they're they're not bred for the fight, or they're not up for this challenge, or whatever. And all this, this just this crap. Just, that, just beaten by a better side that everyone could see coming a mile away. You know, yeah. it wasn't a surprise that the Socceroos lost to Japan, was it? No, not at all. No, it wasn't. I mean, was it? You can go in there, you know, starry-eyed and optimistic, but 
No, based on the results previously and the way everyone was going. No, that's not a shock at all. Yeah. Hey, I wanted to ask you, uh, we've spoken plenty about the squad and stuff and Arnold. Um, where to from here? Do we replace him now before playoffs or do we stick with him till we definitely don't make the World Cup? If we do make it, do we still stick with him for the World Cup? Uh, what, do we, what do we do? What, what are you doing if you're in charge right now? Well, you know I would have got rid of him two years ago. So at any opportunity <laughs> that we can get rid of this guy, I would be uh, severing the head. I, th- I, I think probably the Saudi game is the last game. Yep. It, you know, irrespective of result. He can maybe go out there and win 4-0, and I don't think it's going to save his yep. job. Um, nor should it. it. Nor should it, no, because this is a calamity of events over years and years. That, that I mean, that Asian Cup performance, that should have been it. Yeah, that was a tournament we were going in there trying to defend, and we were insipid. We were terrible. It was it like, was I've, tough to watch. Oh yeah, I've never been more disappointed. Even in those low years where we were just getting smacked by European nations and friendlies, in yeah. that tournament where we were expected to do something, we did nothing, and we showed yeah. nothing, and that's carried on into this. You know, despite the the record winning run or whatever, which in hindsight is a funny thing that everyone celebrated. Now that we may not qualify for the World Cup, it's like, what the fuck is the point of that? Um. But yeah, I I would love to get rid of him. It's just you know, who do we bring in? And you know, next in line, I don't know what you think about this, but Tony Popovich is the guy most touted as taking up the Socceroos mantle. I reckon you don't like it. I reckon you could find audio of me on this podcast a long way back somewhere saying that I wouldn't mind uh, if Popper was the go-to. I like I would much ra- have rather have had. Tony Popovich over Graham Arnold. Why? Do you have any specific reason? I think he's a good manager. He's done a good job with lots of teams. He's, uh, well, not lots of teams, but, you know, he did a great job with Western Sydney. He got them to so many finals and they just couldn't win one. And then did the Asian Cup run, won that, won the Asian Champions League with them. I don't know. I, I just, I would like to have seen him get a go rather than the manager that was at Sydney FC with their golden team that hasn't been broken up for years and just wins all the time anyway, no matter who's in charge. It definitely won't be Corica. Um, it won't be Ulfi. I just, I've got a thing about Popovich. I, he's only succeeded at teams where he's been given not a blank checkbook, but more money than any other team is willing to spend. West Sydney, when they came in, obviously had cap allowances. And then when they qualified for the Asian Champions League, they had a further investment. And so they, they were operating under a different budget. Yeah. Uh, Perth Glory, Tony Sage has come out and said when Popper was in charge and they were making grand finals and stuff like that, that they were spending more money than any other team in the league. Now he's at Melbourne Victory, who, you know, we do know spend a lot of money. Yeah. Maybe not the most, because obviously City is up there and Western United have uh, salary exemptions too. And now you're seeing them, they're kind of floundering a little bit. Um, they're not as dominant, nor are they as cohesive a unit. And I just wonder for the Socceroos, are we really going to see him play like 5-3-2? It's going to be defensively sound until we get broken open by a bit of brilliance from a really good team or a really good individual. And I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I feel, way- I feel a bit more optimistic about it. I wouldn't mind seeing him have a go. Um, not ideal. Like, obviously, if there was a better, I still think an international manager is probably the way to go. I think most people would want that. Um, but, you know, sh- sh- falling short of that, if we are going Australian, then I, 
the only option to me would be probably Popovich. I no, I agree with that as well. There's probably no other option in in Australian management sense, unless you yeah. try and be. <laughs> I don't know. You try and bring some of the women's managers across that, you know, that are performing, that are Australian. Try and boy Ange back. It probably won't happen. Yeah, you're right. There would have to be an international short-term sugar hit and then we would be left in the same situation we were the last World Cup, trying yep. to figure out where we go from there. Yeah, It's a cycle and we're stuck. I Just one more thing before we jump off the ruse, I reckon. Socceroos coach Graham Arnold in the wake of the defeat and ahead of this game has... He's got some criticism, Sam, and I just want you. I just want to know if you think these are fair. Here we go. Graham Arnold says Australian football's lack of jeopardy has created a generation of players who don't hurt when they lose. He is he is quoted as saying a lot of our juniors get brought up in a system of no relegation at junior level, and so they don't learn to hurt when they lose. These players now are playing their trades overseas. They're in a dog-eat-dog dog world of having to win. We've talked about this for 15 years, about the system of football in Australia. I tried my best during COVID to get a lot of that fixed, but it's out of my hands. This sounds like just passing the buck again. Arnold uh, blaming everything else why? for why he's shit at his job, isn't it? How on earth are these comments, one, factual? I mean, this talks about the psychology of children. What the fuck does grandma would know about that? Number two, why is he talking about this now? Is it's pure deflection, and it's just yeah. it's obscene, man. What? You're trying to huge... say like local football for kids in Australia isn't competitive? Yeah, that's just because, simply not true. Because they don't <laughs> it's, lose. It's, it's, uh... They do lose. What are you talking about? What's he talking yeah. about? He's talking about those examples of Scandinavian nations and stuff like that, where they've taken winning and losing out of junior football. Which what's that got to do with this? When uh, this is the thing, when I grew up, we didn't have tables until under tens, and it, it doesn't it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter no. because when you're six years old, it doesn't fucking matter if you win or lose. <laughs> it matters that you are learning to love the game, and yeah. then as you get older, you learn the skills of the game, and then you introduce competition. I just, it's just such a boomer crux call to say, oh, it's the partition, it's the participation medal generation that can't. They don't yep. have the guts to win a game in a World Cup qualifiers. Like, fuck you, man. Do your job. And he's their national team manager, but his hands are tired, apparently. He can't do anything to make it better. Because of COVID. He's yeah. managed to bring COVID in as well. Because he had COVID hard. for a week. So his hands I'd, have been tired. All these years, his hands have been tired because he had COVID for a week last week. <laughs> and all those stints as manager prior to COVID. Yeah. Uh, just boot him. Oh, if you're listening, man. Football Australia, boot him. I despise this guy. We could probably leave it there. That's plenty of Socceroos chat. Obviously, by the time people hear this, we'll have played Saudi Arabia. We were going to record. We were going to record later in the week to cover that one too. But there's no point after losing to Japan. We can't go through, so we'll leave it that at that. Let's talk instead about an equally terrible event of, of the week. <laughs> in, uh, terrible says who? <laughs> says me. Adelaide went to. Central Coast on the weekend and got put away 3-0. Uh, man, when we're bad, we're really bad, hey? Oh, we really stink sometimes. Oh, my God. Uh, I don't, just before the game, I think this really encapsulates the whole thing. You're reading out the team sheet to me and you're like, oh, we got a new <laughs> centre-back inclusion. 
And I'm like, oh, fuck, it's trad, isn't it? And you're like, uh, no. And I'm like, oh, my God, is it Ansel? And you're like, uh, no, it's not. And I was like, oh, is it Popovich? Popovich would be okay. And you're like, no, nah, it's not Popovich. Like, and you couldn't for the life of you work out who the other center back would be next to Bar. Who the hell else do we have? You forgot then, that we had a guy called George Timotheu in the squad. I just it didn't even dawn on me. You had to break it. And like honestly, my knees went weak. I was like, I knew no. you were gonna be heartbroken when I showed you as well that it was oh, Timotheu lining up. And so I thought for this game, all right, I'll watch Timotheu closely and I'll see. I'll, I'll do like a little tick next to his name when he does something good and a little cross next to his name when he does something poor. And he started well. He got a tick. He had a really nice long ball he out of defense. He got a tick to begin the game. I thought he played oh, a he pass. He did. It was a really good pass to his credit. And that's probably his biggest asset is his passing range. Um, but then it followed up with four consecutive crosses. And then I stopped making notes. And <laughs> I think that probably dictates how the, the game uh, went. We obviously, we... We're watching this one together and the game really got away from us after that. As soon as Gauchi got sent off, this game really, it it was such a grind. I found myself not even wanting to watch it because we just didn't look like we had anything that could like, I just didn't look like we could do anything to even look like scoring once we were down to 10 men. Uh, yeah. We struggle as it is with 11 and then going down to 10, just killed the game. And then I think I ended up leaving your house just after the first goal, I think, at 1-0. Um, and then they, they got two more in stoppage time at the end. They get, they did get two more, and they had a man sent off as well. I mean, you missed all the drama, mate. I missed all um, of it, yeah. Um, no, you're exactly right. There was no – it was the same thing as when we went 2-1 down to the Wanderers, and I thought, oh, we're not getting back in this despite our – our late goal flurries that we enjoy. We're just like, it's so just uh, disjointed. The, the lineup changes way too often, man. Another new center back partnership, like Byron yep. and Timothy, who have never played together. Uh, you know, I, th- I thought the greatest irony in this game was Ryan Kiddo, you know, floundering at left back, really giving it a go. And then you look on the other side, playing like a deep left midfield role was Noah Smith. And you, you're just thinking, fuck. Why did we let this guy go? <laughs> the one we let go. Yeah. Um, I I don't know what there's. Carl's copying it a little bit this week online from his substitutes lately have been really interesting. Uh, I don't know, like he pulls the trigger too early or he just, uh, I don't know. It, it seems to be, I'm not convinced he knows exactly what he's doing. He doesn't. No, and that I just... may sound harsh, but I, I'm, Watching us every week, I'm still not convinced he really knows what his best team is or what he wants to do with them. Hmm. I think he's done a good job bringing young players through, but aside from that, I, I struggle to see what the plan is here. It's almost like five subs is too many for him. I think just having the option really it just unsettles the team because when you bring Kaledi on in the midfield, it's never a like-for-like change. He's a different player and he can't perform the role that Carl wants. But it never seems like he adjusts the tactic to bring Kelly into the game. Yeah, He doesn't, never amplifies his ability, which is like penetrating runs, getting in in and up and uh, you mm. know into the face of the opposition and stuff like that. He's a nuggety player, Sam. Yep. And so that's mm. what he does. He wins the ball. <laughs> nuggety. Yeah. <laughs> that's how I'd best describe him. He's a, he's a little chicken McNugget. Um, I, I can't say I was convinced with the call to have Lockie Brook the one to make way 
for Stephen Hall after Gauchi got sent off. Um, or just before that, do you any complaints on the red card for Gauchi? Uh, no, not at all. I, I was like, yeah. I was really, I was thought we were blessed when he <laughs> we, only gave a yellow. <laughs> we were clutching for uh, excuses watching Anything. the replay, weren't we? Yeah, how how deep is Lucky Bar? Oh yeah, I don't know. Actually, Bar's probably getting there if he doesn't. Mm, he yeah. probably does reach but that no, ball even uh, if he's not there. It's a red card every day of the it's week. It's a red card. Yeah. No complaints. We can't complain. Um, complain. We had a little bit of hope that, that that referee sometimes sticks with his original decision a lot. And uh, yes. I was hoping he would again, but we wouldn't have deserved it. And it would have been real harsh on the Mariners after mm. some of the VAR shit they've copped against us at Highmarsh. Uh, yeah. But yeah, yeah we've I had that thought, happen um, too often. I thought, uh, I don't know. I've not minded Lockie Brook lately. I think he's been the probably the most, aside from Goodwin, the most uh, the most lively up in that front third. I mean, Motor has come on and scored the odd goal, but... Uh, overall play, I think Brock's been working his way into the game. Uh, Brooks, sorry, has been working his way into the games really well, and I'm still yet to really see anything from old Cloffy. No, that's the guy that I would have taken off because he was ineffectual once again. He doesn't link the play, nor does he go and get the ball, and he doesn't feed off of Ibasuki or whoever the striker is. Blackwood in this case. Blackwood on the weekend. Yep. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't. I don't know what this guy is. Nah, neither. Well, we don't need to do him because we've, we've done it, you know, we've the last few weeks. He's, uh, we're still waiting for it to come good. Um, you know, it, as each week goes by, I'm still happy to give him a little bit more time, maybe a full preseason or something. I don't know. Yeah. And then we'll see how we go that. next year. We'll start fresh. Um, you look at the, the attacking players though, like when you look at their front two, they got Cummings and Urania up front, you know, and Arania's getting a goal and two assists. Cummings is scoring. Uh, we really, you take out Goodwin. I mean, we're just we're kind of going over the same stuff again. But you take out Goodwin, and where are our, where are our goals coming from up there? We are absolutely crying out for a player like Urania. And uh, you know, maybe Noah Smith was a good irony. Maybe the greatest irony is uh, Steph Mork scoring a banger. In Japan on the weekend. <laughs> oh, where is it? Japan or Korea? Where uh, is Japan, I think. He's in Japan. It scored an absolute banger on the weekend. Um, and you're just like, ah, fuck. We could really use that right now or at any point this season, Steph. What? Yep. <laughs> he was great, Urania. Um, you've always liked him and you've always mentioned him previously. Yeah, he's a good so footballer. Yep. I thought I went into this game, like, I'll keep a close eye on him. There was no need. He was everywhere. He was in yep. the forefront of the game. Man of the match, without a doubt. Um, yeah, he was great, and like you said, they've they've the Mariners have two weapons up front. Yeah, uh, and like Adelaide, kind of had a good young base, decent players. You know, um, kind of a manager with a, a decent idea. Yeah, we just we shouldn't. I know uh, there's no big or little teams in the A League, but I always feel like when we play the Mariners, we should be beating the Central Coast Mariners, and that's yeah. that's a terrible result Definitely. for us. Absolute spanking Terrible. going into this weekend as well. Jesus. I always look at the, um, you know, people kind of make excuses for the scoreline given that there was a red card and stuff. But I, I, I don't know if, you know, if, if Adelaide were the ones that had a man advantage, I don't see us putting in a performance like that against someone mm. still. So, you know, Urania and Cummings and uh, who's the, the midfielders at Miller, those guys just absolutely thrived on it. And, uh, Put us to the sword. We deserved it. Three goals. Um, the three goals to no one. I know they were two late ones, but we probably deserved it in the end. That's 
you we know. did deserve it on the balance of play. And I mean, that's where it comes back to who you would have substituted at the time. If you take Clough out and you leave Izzy one day in the pivots and you drop Blackwood into like a AM sort of a floating false nine role, yep. you can still create and you can still hold the ball on halfway and you can still be, at, you know, at least a little bit threatening in deeper areas. But the way that we readjusted was just all wrong. And it, it, it told because it forced the players to work harder. And we were exposed in the last 10 minutes when we started to go forward, which is, you know, the complete opposite of how we, how we usually work, which that was probably the most deflating bit. Yeah, definitely. Um, so we got Melbourne victory this week at home and <laughs> I don't take much confidence in anything could happen though. This Adelaide team this year, who knows? I reckon this game has classic written all over it. And like the conditions are perfect. Because the showdown's on Friday night, the basketball's on Friday night. There's a huge gaping hole for Saturday. Apparently half to two-thirds of the away bay is sold for the Melbourne Victory game, which you would think is going to get good. very close to being sold out by the time we kick yep. off. I, you know, We've got third versus fourth. Uh, two out-of-form teams as well. Both sides haven't won in their last three. I reckon this has classic grin all over it. This is big, you know, nine goals in the game. Six, six, three, five, four. <laughs> I reckon this is going to be mayhem. A t- a 12, it's going to be nine. absolute. Yeah, mayhem. Yeah. There'll be victory, victory fans on the pitch. Carl will be throwing stuff at, uh, throwing bottles at people. Get on. Danny Murray is uh, going to come on and score one. It just, it's going to be chaos. Get on the over eighteen point five goals for this one. I reckon <laughs> yeah. it's going to go off. Um, Late request. Just wanted to put in a mention just before that the curtain raiser for the Adelaide United Melbourne victory game this weekend is the. Alex Chikanowski Shield. Uh, I'm not sure if that's Chikanowski or Chikanowski, um, mm-hmm. but this guy was the uh, the general secretary of this South Australian Amateur Soccer League for thirty uh, odd years, um, and he's done heaps of other stuff for football in South Australia. So uh, the Shield is um, it's kind of like the charity Shield they have in England, where you have the winner of the league versus the winner of the cup. So here we have the winner of the Sunday Premier Division and the Saturday Premier Division, which this year will be Elizabeth Downs versus Modbury Jets. That's a cracker. So um, if anyone ha- wants to get along, check out some amateur guys getting to play on uh, the hallowed turf of Highmarsh. Then, uh, yeah, head along early and watch that. I think it kicks off around 4. I think four it's 10, 10 past maybe. 4. Yeah. 10 past 4, yeah. that. So the Alex Chikanowski Shield, get out and catch some Sunday leaguers in action. It's uh, good stuff. Yep, Northern yeah. football at its best. It should be. This would be an absolute cracker, actually. Yeah, it's it's going to be fun. It'll it's be the perfect curtain raiser as well. Oh yeah, a bunch of Northern guys going in early to sink a bunch of tins and get rowdy for a rivalry game against Melbourne Victory. Oh yeah, light it up. Let's go. It's a recipe, isn't it? Hey, while we're laughing, do you want to continue that laughter and uh, talk about <laughs> Italy and Macedonia? Yeah, I just had one question for you. Is, oh, go on. is winning the Euros worth missing two World Cups? Uh, I would say probably not for them. You know, I would take, as a, like for Australia, I would take winning an Asian Cup and missing two World Cups. Well, that could be about to happen. Could be, <laughs> could be about to happen. But uh, yeah, be for Italy, this is a disaster, an absolute disaster. I'm, I just hook it. That's all I have to say. You're loving it, aren't you? 
This is just, it's perfect. The, the day after the Socceroos crumble and in yeah. the wake of the, the, the Volpato tweet and everything like that. Yep. For those who didn't see it, crying face, laughing emojis at oh. Socceroos failing and then the next I feel, morning. I'm, I feel really dirty that we stuck up for him on this pod quite a bit, oh, Volpato. No. He seems like um, a bit of a shithead, eh? But now he can just get stuffed. Have fun not playing in the World Cup either, champ. <clears throat> yeah, for, for sake of balance, I think he played for the under-20s Italy team. Yeah, night, so. whatever. Sake of balance. See you no, later. this is great. And I think the best part was it was Macedonia, which only furthers my call from the from the Euros. <laughs> North, this is a North nation. Macedonia, we should stress as well. North North Macedonia. I think North it's officially Macedonia. now. Yep. Yes. Just to be I, correct. I have read a few things that I would prefer not to be. Re- anyway. Now nah, we'll leave it. That's probably sectarian stuff. Anyway. We don't know it, so we'll leave it. We don't know it. North Macedonia. Uh, I thought they were going to have a good Euros campaign, get out of the group. They didn't. They finished bottom. But this is great testament to this squad. Uh, to this squad, um, led by the Don Gianni Alioski, who made yeah. a crucial block uh, in the <laughs> second half, stopping a certain goal. Um, this is it's just great to see. <laughs> it was a crack of a game. I don't know how Italy didn't win, but. <laughs> That uh, some of the chances they create, like Immobile had a couple, but uh, especially Domenico Berardi, who would like the chances he missed in that game, he would gobble up all day and night for Sassuolo in Syria. And then Pressure. in this game, he just could not hit one. And it just didn't go well for them. They had some questionable stuff as well. I think they dragged in Signe at some point as well. It just. Nothing was working. And when you look at that squad on paper, I was like, they won the Euros. What more do you need to say? Like, they have a brilliant team. Um, they had that crazy unbeaten run, didn't they? Ridiculous like unbeaten run, which they carried into the Euros. And then they lost it after the Euros. They lost uh, one of their qualifiers. Um, but yeah, just ridiculous. Crazy. Did you Two see- World Cups in a row for Italy. Yeah. I mean, it's when you, I mean, when you think about in the grand scheme of things, Australia missing one, Italy missing two is an absolute travesty. But yep. I think the best thing is that it just um, reassures everyone that there's no divine right to play in these competitions. And you do have to do the work to get there. Uh, Benucci in the wake, though, wasn't happy with the qualifying format, which I thought was hilarious because when this was announced, you go. and I both teed off a little bit because we thought, oh, these one-off games, they suck. Like it's... It, it is totally set up for the, the more powerful nation and the way that they seeded the draws as well. Yep. And you think, well, they've oh, always seeded them anyway, haven't they? Yeah. But the, the idea yeah. of seeding a draw, so that the, the stronger nations play one game, typically at home against the weaker nations. This didn't happen. And Benucci was not happy. We played a one-off match, which is an absurd format. He reckons. Unfortunately, it was decided to be like this, but that's a crazy decision. There are national teams qualified in other conferences where they lost four or five games. Meanwhile, we're out for conceding a 90-second-minute goal in the first match we lose at home. It's truly crazy, this new formula. I'd just like to say, join the club, Benucci. We said the same thing, man. It's, a, it's still a dumb argument because at the end of the day, they're the European champions. <laughs> and they got drawn at home against Macedonia and lost. So They shouldn't be in the playoffs. You, sh- you shouldn't be in the playoffs. You should have gotten through automatically. They didn't. Jorginho missed that penalty against Switzerland, which has proved very, very costly. That that penalty technique. You still do that stupid skip, do you, champ? Oh, mate. 
Jog on, Jorginho. Jog on. Um, Did you see his reaction? Um, he was calling for a handball, I think, just before the goal was struck. Yeah, a couple were, but then you saw the others. Just, they knew they yeah. knew it was done. It was, that's just desperation stakes clo- there. Closing down. Just, hey, I do want to ask stop. you. I feel like I know where you would go with it, but yep. do, do you not think it's weird how much... I guess it all comes to o, back to 06, but I feel like it was the thing even before 2006 that... Why do Australians hate the Italian football team so much? Is it the diving stereotype? Which I I actually think um, is probably due to Australia's first real combative <clears throat> exposure to football is Italian migrants. I think when you had a predominantly English influx of people in the 40s and the 50s, they bring football with them. And they establish it from the very English point of view. And then the next wave of migrants are the Italians. And so that, I think, what it does is it embeds kind of, and, you know, there's other Balkan, not, you know, not that Italy's a Balkan nation, but the Balkan nations yeah, yeah. migrated here, Croatia, Serbia, et cetera. Yeah. But they're kind of of the same mentality when it comes to how they support their football and yeah. the way that, you know, they're kind of demonstrative, not in a bad way, but they're very forthright and they're very passionate about their nations and they feel very closely aligned to their nations. And I, I think, you know, Johnny Warren's book, Sheila's Wogs and Poofters, I think that the, having Wogs in there is such a huge call to where this combativeness comes from. I think it is hugely deeply rooted in Australian sporting culture and this whole idea of ethnic football and, yeah. So when I, I mean, I, I'm so guilty of this because I do play into, you know, this overt um, dislike of the Italian national football team. But yeah, I think that's, you know, that's just something that I've absorbed from yeah Australian media and everything over time. Yeah. Obviously, I lean the other way, like, because I, I love the Italian league. That's it's like my favorite league to watch. So um, I kind of, I don't mind the Italian national team. I enjoy watching them because I enjoy the players. Um, I, I feel like... I don't know, just to me, there's still this massive stereotype there about Italians and diving and stuff, which mm. not saying that it's unfair, but it's it's very naive to, or just ridiculous for it to only be Italians that people think of in terms of, of diving, course. you know, when of like course, yeah. it's rife in the Premier League, even with English <laughs> players, like it's everywhere. the yeah. Spanish League. If you go watch like the African Cup of Nations was just a dive fest. Um the Asian sides, when they come here for the Champions League, we see them going off on stretches every 20 minutes. Like, it's it's everywhere. Uh, to, yeah. But, it, I mean, we'll funny. still have a chuckle about him missing the World Cup, though. Of course. It's funny. The one you didn't attribute it to is the one that I immediately think, if we're going to talk, like, continents, like South America, those kind, that's where I think of football theatrics coming from. But, you yeah. know, well, yeah, I'm more than happy to have a laugh at Italy missing out. It's, uh, you know what was funny? In the wake of it, there was a bunch of tweets getting around about their youth production being the issue and it's like oh my god australia italy we're not so different really after all oh, i'm not sure that's accurate either it can't be right Nah, they have some great young players come through they've just had a few that be injured they've got skamaka raspadori they've got um zaniolo's come back from that knee injury they've got plenty of players coming through spinazzola who was unreal at the euros mm. until he got injured um players like that not Young, but like mid twenties or early twenties. These were the sorry. These were the stats that I was trying to find earlier for the Italy um, in the Serie A. A percentage of um, under twenties played by yep. per each team, 
and none of the teams cracked more than ten percent. And I think yeah. that was the that was the call is that, that we're not seeing an exposure of enough Italian youth over like periods of time. No, but I think that's always been like kind of an Italian way, hasn't it? Like they're late bloomers, right? When you watch when you watch Serie A as well, you know, they're talking about some of these guys that are 22 and 23, they're talking about them the same way we would talk about seeing an 18-year-old play, you know? Uh, that's young for them. Yeah. <laughs> Bonucci's still oh, getting fair. around at, what, 34, 35? So, <laughs> yeah. um, Says it all. Yeah. Hey, do you want to um, – I don't know if you've got anything else left. Maybe we can have a little – we talked about Eden Hazard and his situation at Madrid last week and compared him with Gareth Bale – and how he just dropped off the world. And then Gareth Bale pops up this week. Bang, bang. Thanks for oh coming. My God. See you later, Austria. The parasite, as reported by the Madrid papers. But <laughs> the parasite. A, they literally called him a parasite. But a parasite adored by an entire nation. And doesn't he... He just he embodies everything great about Wales at the moment. And we did... We uh, fangirled over Wales a little bit previously. But uh, we both watched that video of... Um, Differ. What was his name? Daffod Iwan. Daffod Iwan. Yeah. Um, Daffod Iwan singing the Sing- folk anthem. Ima Ohid. Which what translates to "We're here, still here" or something? <laughs> You're telling the story. Incredible, incredible <laughs> scenes. It was before awesome. the game, yeah. and that's the kind of thing that spurs the national team onto victory. And didn't they just do that? Gareth Bale, two massive goals, man. They were both. They were both pretty good as well. The free kick. Very Goodwin-esque, I thought. Yeah, brilliant. Um, on that as well, on players popping up for their national sides, Christian Eriksen came back for Denmark this weekend for the first time, and he came on against the Netherlands. They lost 4-2, but he came on and within two minutes buried one top bins, and you just love to see it, don't you? First touch off the bench. Yeah. I mean, the, the commentator was so surprised that it was him. I think he was just like, it's Christian Eriksen. Yeah. Maybe the crowd couldn't even realize a huge moment for the guy. Absolutely. I just seen him play football again after that. And I still kind of get a bit shivery thinking about, you know, that night when I like, cause I was at work watching on my phone and we were having a break and it just dropped. And I'm sure a lot of people in the same boat, just kind of like feeling like you just watched, you know, a fit, healthy young man with a family just die on TV in front of our eyes. And then, He's back playing international football and scoring a goal as well. That's just miraculous. So good. Yeah. Miraculous. And maybe captain for the next game. So all to come still for Chris, I think. Yeah. All to come. Um, We might wrap it there unless you've got anything else you wanted to get through. I think that is more than enough for this week. Plenty. Yeah. Just the one episode this week. Usually we do two, one on Europe, one on Adelaide and stuff. But this week, international rounds, we hate them. They're boring. Well, well uh, we had I a mean, bit of content this week. That was- <laughs> this one wasn't boring, but, uh, you know, it's not the same. We want our club football back. Yeah, please. Speaking yeah. of, someone someone give Chelsea Dorber and Matilda's call up. Jesus Christ. Yeah, someone hurry up and go get a cap and go give it to her and let her play for the damn Matildas because Chelsea oh Dorber's a star and the Matildas need a, another star. They do. Star-studded side needs one just sprinkled just on top. Just needs one, just more. An Adelaide star. Yeah, that's what it's missing right now. Adelaide stars. Brilliant. Have a good week, folks. See you next week. Peace, love, everyone. <laughs>